Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I am your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Welcome to episode number eight, titled Home Buying 101. So for this episode, we're going to have a little different format than we usually have. This will be my first interview episode. And so I've asked my wife, Rachel, to join me for this episode. She is a real estate agent and knows a lot about real estate. And I know in today's real estate world and market, with low interest rates, a lot of people are really interested in home buying. And so since home ownership and real estate is a big part of personal finance, I thought we would bring in uh, an expert who also happens to be beautiful to uh, share with us some tips and some ideas about home buying and what things to consider. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Rachel, let's start out with a little bit. Maybe you can tell us just a little bit about you and how you got into real estate. Um, well, I've always been kind of interested in real estate and I kind of toyed around with the idea of getting my real estate license a few times earlier on, but I was nervous because really being a real estate agent, you kind of have to put yourself out there. And I was a bit nervous about that. So I didn't do it until our youngest went to kindergarten and then I went and got my license and started practicing as soon as I got my license. So that's been about six years, six and a half. So what is it that you really like about doing it? Um, I really like, I think the whole process of buying and selling for me is exciting. It's a, it's a neat time. And I like to help people through that transition. It's also a very emotional time for people. And so I like being, part of it, I guess, is a little bit of an ego thing. I like being the one that people go to for help and for advice to be able to transition through those stages. Awesome. And I have the privilege of kind of watching how Rachel works with people. And I've been in on some of the, as she's taking clients to homes and whatnot. And she does an awesome job working with clients. So as someone's getting ready to buy a home, Rach, how, what kind of things kind of should they be thinking about maybe before they hire a real estate agent? So really, we kind of talk about, um, first of all, the transition into, um, is it time to buy a home? Am I ready? As to having a little bit of a need or um, some pain. Either you have pain or you have something that's uncomfortable or a reason to move on. So then that's where buying process kind of comes in to solve a problem for you. Um, what was the other part? So the I'm wondering, like, before they hire a real estate agent, I'm wondering if a person should be thinking about kind of where they want to live or what price range they want to be on. What are some of the things a person should maybe be thinking about before they hire you? So I think ideally, I would prefer that they kind of, they come to me first. If they start thinking that, hey, maybe now is the time, even if they're not ready to start, it makes it a lot easier if they come to me first and I could advise them for through the first few steps 
and then it, everything goes a lot smoother from there on. So I would say the first step is to kind of interview um, agents, get out there and get to know a couple of people. You don't necessarily want to go with just somebody that's your best friend or someone that you know who happens to have a license because this is a, an, important, an important purchase that you're going to be making and it's usually one of the biggest purchases that most people make. So you want to make sure that it's a person, you're going to someone who is a trusted advisor. So I like to think of myself not so much as a real estate agent or a salesperson because I really don't sell anything. I'm more of an advisor than anything else. So um, yeah, I like to have people start there. Look for agents, interview a couple, and find someone that you feel is not a salesperson but an advisor. Thank you. So as someone kind of is in that process, of looking for something often will go to the internet to kind of see what's out there. I'm sure most people do that with a home. So what would you advise a person do as kind of that searching process? What what sites should they look at? What ones shouldn't they look at? Kind of give some um, tutelage on that concept. So that's obviously the most exciting, the most entertaining and fun part. I sometimes look for homes in different areas just for fun, not because I'm actually going to purchase something, but just for entertainment value, I guess, because um, it's fun for most of us. So um, the first thing you could do is obviously you can just look on the internet and find things. There are a lot of different sites out there. Um, just most people don't know, but Zillow is one that it takes information. It is able to capture our information that we put out there as realtors as soon as we put the information out there. But as we make changes, they don't always keep up with those changes. So I find a problem with people looking on um, websites and they say, oh, I want to see this home. And it would, in fact, it sold three months ago because those websites aren't privy to that information. So they can't just pull that information as easily as they can the listing information. So I recommend going to realtor.com. Realtor.com even has international sites. So they apply pretty much everywhere. So I would go there first. Awesome. So if someone is kind of in that quandary of should I hire an agent? Should I not? Some people are real do-it-yourselfers on things. They kind of take pride in being able to change their own oil or mow their own lawn or paint their own house. And they might have this kind of old school mindset of I need to do this myself. What would be kind of the maybe the argument for hiring a real estate agent? And if there are times when you shouldn't, what should those be? Sure. So um, I like to do it myself. I like to do things take on projects on my own, but I also realize that there are some limitations to what I can and cannot do. And really, that that really comes into play with real estate. Um, most of us don't really understand all that goes into a real estate transaction, and we get in a little over our heads really soon. So when you're first starting out, um, it's important, number one, to kind of know where you are financially and know how much you are going to be able to spend. And um, starting there, you can also go straight to a realtor and they will be able to help you through that process, direct you to good lenders and people who are gonna be able to support you and help you give, give you all of the information you need moving forward. Um, as far as buying process goes, 
uh, almost 100% of the time. Even if you buy a for sale by owner, the cost is already going to be built in for an agent. So you as the buyer are gonna pay the same. Even though it seems like you're gonna save money by not using a realtor, the seller almost always builds in that at least a 3% cushion for themselves so that they can pay an agent. So you're not saving yourself any money. So kind of put that aside because you're not gonna save any money 99% of the time. The next thing is really, you know, finding someone that you feel like you can trust and that you So if we're putting the cost aside, then why wouldn't you want an advisor? So kind of think of it in terms of if I were going, if I were a lawyer and I have my law license, yet I have to go to a, like a criminal court, I would never choose to represent myself because I can't be objective. And it's kind of the same thing in real estate. It's hard to be objective, especially in negotiations for your own property. Even as an agent, it would be wise for an agent to hire someone else to represent them. Okay, great. Is there ever a time when you shouldn't hire one? I can't think of any, even if you, so I've heard Dave Ramsey talk about if it's just gonna be a sale between neighbors or a friendly sale between family that you don't necessarily need one. and. I would kind of argue that point just because in the long run, you don't want to make an enemy out of your friend or your neighbor. And in business transactions, there's always that opportunity for something to go wrong and for it to make it so that you're no longer friends or you no longer want to be family. So it's good to have a mediator to help work through any potential issues that might come up. I think absolutely it is. And again, you can go out and interview. Um, it is a position that you are basically hiring someone to do. And too many people will either just call someone off a sign or just choose someone randomly. This is an opportunity for you to sit down with a couple different people and kind of feel through it to see if you like their process and then hire them. Just by talking to them, you are obligated to nothing. And when, if you call up of a sign, then that person is already representing the seller and it's hard for them to also represent you and take on your needs. So in a typical transa transaction, there's a, a buyer's agent and a seller's agent and they represent both sides to kind of get to the common ground of selling the house at a fair price and making sure each person gets their best interest. They do, and in the state of Utah, when you sign a contract with a buyer or a seller, you sign on as the agent, you sign on to be their fiduciary. And you know what a fiduciary means. Indeed so I do. Why don't you explain? So I know it in terms of finance and in hiring a financial advisor, a fiduciary is one who is legally bound to do what's in the best interest of the client. Exactly. So even though my commission hinges on a deal, my first priority always has to be my client and their needs and what's important for them. So that's important to go and that's another reason why it's important to go and interview because not all are created equal. And I should probably specify here that there is, I've kind of used real estate agent and realtor interchangeably when in fact they're really not. A real estate agent is someone who has a license to practice under a brokerage um, the buying and selling of real estate. A realtor has the same um, legal description, but then they also have an, ex an extra 
layer of things that we um, do to protect our buyers and our sellers and a code of ethics that goes beyond what a regular real estate agent is is supposed to do. Okay, so if a person is getting ready to buy a home, what are some of the common mistakes that a buyer should kind of be on the alert for or watch out for? So I would say number one, um, just not, try, number one, trying to do it on yourself, on your own. And then number two, we always have a hard time with cost. So you can get over your head really quickly in real estate because it is a, such an expensive and big purchase. So having an advisor and someone who's not just there to sell you the biggest and most expensive thing to make a commission is important. So that's one of the things, and even on your own, it's easy to go out and you know, say, I'm gonna only stay under this set price range, but then you start looking and you realize, oh, what I really want is a step above. So having that advisor to help you know, hey, when is too much, that's a good thing. Because one of the knocks on the real estate industry is that they feel like realtors will, will try to get their client to buy the most expensive home possible, whatever they can qualify for from the bank, because that will mean their commission will be higher. So can you talk about that? Because I've heard people assume that and believe that before. So absolutely. Realtors Realtors are just like almost any other profession. There are good realtors and bad realtors, good real estate agents and bad real estate agents. And sadly, there are probably just as many bad as there are good. So yeah, some of them are just out there for themselves, even though legally they are required to be that fiduciary, they sometimes put that aside and put their own needs in front. So that's again why it's so important to go out and interview and ask about ask past clients about how they felt about that person's service. Okay, great. So as a person is like considering home ownership and whatnot, and most people do not have the cash on hand to pay for a house outright, what kinds of loans are available and which kinds would you advise and which kinds would you tread lightly with? So there are several different types of loans and I am not a lender so I'm just going to specify that this is not my specialty, I'm not uh, licensed to be able to, to discuss it so this is just my opinion. But as I have seen, you know, working with lots of different people, there are lots of different types of loans available and some of those are really great for first time home buyers or for people that have served in the military and want to take advantage of the military VA loans. Um, but all of those loans that are subsidized, so that means the government has a little bit of control of them. So like an FHA loan, um, a VA loan, those are ones that you, you do kind of want to tread a little bit lightly with because the government has a lot of stipulations. They want to kind of control how that goes. And it's important to remember there's no such thing as free money. Even though it seems like this is going to be a better deal for me because the, the government's kind of taking the interest rate down sometimes um, or making my payment a little bit lower. If you were to sell that house, that amount would come back due to you. So it's still, it's not free money, it's just postponed money. So conventional is a great way to go. If you can afford a conventional loan, that is the best. Right now, almost everyone can get in on a conventional loan because the rates are so low. So um, I always recommend my clients to go and talk to at least three different lenders 
and get their perspective on the different types of loans and on your personal situation. And most lenders are happy to sit down with you, not charge you a dime and spend that time with you to educate you. So, which leads me to another question. So when interest rates are at historic lows right now, and obviously the housing industry is booming, we see building all around us here in Utah, and the construction people are really doing well right now how would how should we consider like the home prices have gone up a lot over the nation i would say it seems like you know five to ten percent over the last year probably an increase in prices and yet interest rates are so low what should a person consider in buying a house with the expensive home prices yet the low interest rates so i always think it's wise to not borrow more money than you need because it's not your money. You're essentially taking someone else's money and buying something with it. Even with a low interest rate, you still have to pay that money back and interest back. So it doesn't make sense to me. So let's say um, you are already have a home that meets all of your current needs, but you just want a bigger, nicer home, and you're gonna start over with a 30-year loan um, on a new property, but the, the amount you pay per month is basically the same. Most people would say, hey, that's a great opportunity. But personally, I feel like that's stretching out into a place I don't personally feel comfortable with just because I can. But that's a that's kind of a personal decision. Some people will go there. I personally think it's still good to just borrow what you need to borrow. If you can pay it back in 15 years, get a loan that will, will do 15 years and you can pay it off faster, you'll be debt free faster and you'll not have that kind of hanging over your head that someone else's money is buying what you are living in. So the traditional kind of rule of thumb is to put 20% down to avoid PMI. Can you explain what PMI is and can you talk about if it is realistic to put 20% down if you see your clients being able to do that? So right now we're in a very different market than what is typical. So because interest rates are so low, it's really hard. Um, the interest rates are really low, but the home prices are really high. And in our current market here where we live, um, the average home price is around $350,000. So 20% of that is gonna be over $60,000, and that's a lot for someone to come in with. Where if we just started with say 3% down, you could come in and have your monthly payment be low enough that paying for mortgage insurance or PMI isn't going to make that big of a difference because mortgage insurance runs from 30 to $60 a month in your monthly payment. So what that mortgage insurance is, is it's basically um, a vehicle to protect the lender. It does nothing for you as the buyer. You don't get anything out of it. It simply protects the lender so they feel more comfortable lending you this money. And um, it gets to be a little frustrating when you look at your payment every month and you're paying $60 for nothing that helps you. But again, in, the, in this particular situ situation, I would probably recommend just go ahead, get out there, buy that house and pay the mortgage insurance. And then as soon as you have 20% down in your house um, after paying a certain number of payments, then move to take that mortgage insurance off. So if a person gets this loan and, and gets a mortgage, can you explain like what goes into a mortgage? Because 
you're not just paying for the house, you're paying for other things too. So what should a person expect to be paying for when they buy a house and they're paying their monthly mortgage? What does that entail? So typically when you get a mortgage, um, the lender requires that you have insurance on the home and it also requires that you pay the taxes because if you default on that loan, you don't pay all of your payments, they want all of those things to be paid up front. So part of what they'll factor in when you sit down with a lender and they show you, hey, this is going to be your monthly payment, they typically will factor in both the insurance for the home as well as the taxes. And then you're paying the principal payment every month. So the principal amount of the loan and then you're paying an interest amount on the loan. And when you're your first 10 years, you're paying a much greater um, amount of interest than you are um, principal and then as the years move on that will switch so then you'll end up paying more principal than you will interest so it's important when buying a home to really think about because a lot of people will say well renting is just throwing away your money but and we'll have a future episode on this but it's important to understand that when you rent the landlord is paying for all of those other things often so that's a really good point. And a lot of lenders, I think, don't do as great a job as they could in educating their people about. So when you go to take on a mortgage payment, that mortgage payment, what it doesn't cover is it doesn't cover um, monthly maintenance. It doesn't cover yard care. It doesn't cover uh, water heater breaking. And it doesn't cover window coverings or any of those things if the home doesn't have it already. So I advise my people to try and look at the amount that they have to spend, and I generally recommend they add in all of those things. So a budget for um, incidentals, um, an idea of what they would spend in utilities every month, and then use that as their guide as to where they want their monthly payment to be. And we generally recommend that you not have um, a monthly payment more than 50% of your monthly take home. If it's more than 50% of your monthly take home, then it is just way too stressful. So I add in all of those extras into that. Um, and we kind of have a formula for yearly too, but it's easier for me to kind of think of it in the monthly. So yeah, it's, I think it's really important to consider all that because owning a home for us has been a real joy and is a wonderful place to raise our kids. And we get a lot of happiness and satisfaction from our home, but if a person is house poor and it causes stress and anxiety and zaps up all their money so they can't ever do a vacation or go out to eat or have some fun in life, I think it can be a real stressor on the family as well and on the couple. So I think it's wise, like you're saying, to map all of that out ahead of time before diving into home ownership because there's a little bit of a myth out there that home ownership is the American dream but it can quickly turn into a nightmare if you get into the wrong home at the wrong time, too expensive, or you're just not ready for it. And like you said, there's mowing the lawn, there's maintenance, there's upkeep, there's painting, there's uh, taxes, there's so many things that go into it that a person really needs to go in with their eyes wide open. So now before I, I'm going to ask you a couple personal questions that don't have so much to do with your real estate license, but the last kind of real estate type question I want to ask you is, what are some like terms that are often thrown around in the home buying process 
that maybe our listeners should know that that you would want to explain? Hmm, that's a tough question. I'm not. Uh, there are there will be lots of things that will come up, and really, you don't personally don't need to go into a transaction knowing everything. If again, you feel like you are surrounded by people that are willing to help you and educate you along the way. So if you have you're a lender that you trust and an agent that you trust, they should be able to explain all of those things for you. If you're trying to do it on your own, there are a bunch of terms that I could throw out there that you would quickly become a little bit overwhelmed and scared by those terms. Like for example, what one term that's thrown around a lot is an escrow account. What What is an escrow account? So there are two different terms of escrow. And um, so one is when we're in the process of buying a property, when the property is in escrow, that means we have it under contract, we have a buyer and a seller both assigned, we have the lender or we have the financing starting to move forward in that, and we're just in that limbo process of between the time that we've made that contract and then the contract is actually sold. So that's a term that we use as escrow. An escrow account is a different thing. So an escrow account is what, um, on your monthly payment, when you have the mortgage in place, on your monthly payment, they take out an amount for, and they call it an escrow account, to put into that, that tax fund and into the um, hazard insurance fund that we talked about earlier. So they don't know exactly how much that's going to be every month. It changes from year to year, it changes from month to month. So they just put a general amount. So you could end up at the end of the year with an excess in your escrow account or um, not enough in your escrow account, and then your monthly payment would change to reflect that. So hopefully, as you've listened to this, you can understand what escrow accounts are, you can understand what mortgage insurance is for, you can understand what a mortgage is, just some of the basic terms that go into buying a home that I've learned by being married to Rachel. She's known about this stuff even before she became a a realtor and so I've just kind of learned by listening to her and she's always been the lead person in our relationship when it comes to home buying as we've bought a few homes and she's kind of been a natural at it but I think it's even for people like me who aren't a natural at this kind of stuff with home buying to learn the basics so that you don't get um, taken to the woodshed and get a raw deal so Having someone in your corner is really good. This is not an infomercial for real estate agents. I just wanted to pick Rachel's brain on understanding really what a person might want to know going into this because a lot of people need to know these things before they make the decision. So take off your real estate agent hat, Rach, and just share a little bit about like what, as we've been in our home that we've been in for the last 15 years what kind of been have been the joys of home ownership and what have been maybe some of the miseries of home home ownership so before we go there i'm going to tell a couple stories hopefully that's right. okay with you go ahead. and it kind of does reflect the need for a real estate agent so hopefully you don't mind but the the first one was when we were in our first position to buy a home we hired someone to help us with that transaction and we ended up having a builder and many people don't know this but you absolutely still want to have a someone representing your side when you use a builder because if you think about it the builder 
they are taking care of their own needs, their bottom line is their most important thing to them, and you need somebody that has your bottom line interest in mind. Anyway, so we, we hired someone to help us build that first home. Um, to help, we had an agent and then we had a builder, and we started that process and we made our negotiations and we asked for some certain changes that the builder didn't standardly do. And we get a couple months into the process and the builder went back on his word and was building just the standard things that he did. And lo and behold, our real estate agent comes in and he shows the paperwork and he works his magic for us so that we got what we originally contracted for, not what the builder wanted to do. And that was a fantastic experience for us. It's a big shout out to good old Fred Sharp from our days up in Idaho. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to our second home purchase, we had an agent that was showing us around town and we kind of thought, well, we know what we're doing more or less. We can, we're gonna go with this for sale by owner because we thought again, we would save money. So we're just like you, we wanna be, we wanna save a dime. We wanna make the best choice financially for ourselves. What we didn't realize was that what we didn't know what we didn't know. So we bought the home, understanding that there was a handshake agreement on the property line. And we didn't really know or have the experience with that to know that that would be a huge red flag. So when we went to sell the home, it wasn't until three years later that we realized this is an issue that we cannot legally, we don't legally own what we think we do. And the neighbor thought that he owned part of our property and it ended up costing us a lot of time and money in the long run. Had we just kept our agent, I don't think our price would have been any different, yet we would have had that protection and had somebody that knows what they are doing to ask those questions ahead of time. Um, so I just think that is a huge, that's one of the reasons that I decided to do real estate is I wanted to be that for those people. So as far as home ownership, yeah, there are lots of ups and downs and there are great things about it. I think, especially as a mom and as parents, one of the things you want is you want your children to grow up in a place that is stable, that they feel like they have an identity to, this is our home. So that's one of, for us, one of the reasons to buy a home. Um, some of the negative with that is that everything is our responsibility. If something breaks or something isn't working right, then it's our responsibility to take care of that. There's no one we can call and say, oh, hey, there's this problem with the water heater. Can you come take a look at it? Of course, we can call our plumber, but then we're gonna pay for that. Um, so, and the other one of the other hard things is that a home requires constant upkeep. Even if you are not living in it very hard, you're trying to take care of everything, it still needs paint, it still needs updating with the carpet and colors. It's an investment um, as far as, you know, you will eventually hopefully recoup some of the money that you put into it, but the times that you are um, putting money into it to keep it up, that is not an investment. That is just keeping it so that it is um, a, a pleasurable place for you to live, but you can't expect to get that same amount out of the home later on when you sell it, um, but it does help keep it so it looks good, it helps keep it so it's more livable, and hopefully so when you do go to sell it, it's easier to sell, but that's not your primary purpose there. You can tell uh, water heaters are on our mind. I mentioned that in another podcast, and Rachel's mentioned it a couple times today. It's on our subconscious since we just had to install a new water heater. We didn't install it. We hired someone to do that, but 
Yeah, I agree with all those things. I think owning a home has been the right choice for us. I don't think renting would have been great for us because Rachel is the type who she's paint. She painted our whole house. I lended a small bit of assistance along the way, uh, but she has painted our house a few times over in the last 15 years. She likes to keep it looking really fresh and good. And so if we were in a rental, I'm sure it wouldn't be like that. And it would be hard to not put our personal touch on things. And so there's a lot of emotional benefits, I think, and psychological benefits for us as a couple and as a family to own our own home. It does have a great feeling here. Our kids love being here. It's a place where we have our roots down. We we have a great community. We have family and neighbors that are awesome. And it just gives us a lot of peace of mind to own our home. I don't necessarily, a lot of people think it's quote unquote the best investment you'll ever make. I disagree with that from a financial standpoint. You might be very well off um, not buying a home as you are buying, but I think the emotional and psychological uh, benefits that come to our family are certainly worth it. I've Love living in this home. So Rachel, the last question I want to ask you is, so what, when we were kind of deciding how quickly to pay off our house and whatnot, are you happy that we decided to accelerate our payments and whenever I get a bonus at work, we put it into our mortgage. We, we gave up a lot of other things along the way to pay off the mortgage faster. We, we could have probably been on more vacations had we not done that. We could have taken that money, invested in the stock market, and made a higher return. We could have been a two-car family. We, could, we were a one-car family there for a few we, years. We could have done a lot of things, but thinking back on it, are you glad we did it the way we did it, or would you have done it differently? I personally am glad that we did it the way we did it. I do think that there is an emotional freedom to owning your own home. And again, just kind of going back to when you borrow money to buy a home, you're using someone else's money. Even if the interest rate is low, it's still not technically your money. So for me, it's just more an emotional thing than maybe a financial thing. Yeah, for sure. And so I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this. It's just been a fun conversation for Rachel and me to have about home ownership and real estate and buying a home. And it's just a kind of a fun topic to think about. I will do a future podcast on renting versus buying. I've done a lot of research on that and I found a lot of interesting information that might kind of be contrary to what we've been talking about in this podcast. So I think you'll find that interesting. So I want to thank Rachel for being a part of the show today and for being a great guest and an awesome wife and best friend. Uh, She's uh, the best thing that ever happened to me. And so that will be all for today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you would. I would really appreciate a five-star review if you think I deserve it. Getting reviews is the way that we will be able to get the podcast out to more people. So right now I'm choosing not to put any ads or anything like that on the podcast. I'm not making any money on it. I just want to share and help and provide financial education for my family and friends and for the public. And so by leaving a review, you help me be able to do that and do it faster and better. Also, you can follow the show on Instagram at simplemoney_simplelife, And remember, the simple life is a good life.